Welcome to the Unbranded Podcast with Miss Dean Loves You, where we have interesting conversations with interesting people and learn about unconventional ways to live our best lives. I'm your host, Susie Dean. I'm a former teacher, mother in her MILF era, and wife. I have the incredible experience now of exploring topics and ways of living that I've always been curious about. The conversations on this pod are always relaxed, authentic, and might just teach you a thing or two. I promise that every episode will leave you with a deeper sense of self and understanding for those who are different from you. So get comfy cozy, grab a drink of your choice, and let's have some fun together. Hi, everyone. Today, I sat down with Jackie Ducci, founder of the Human Animal Alliance. We had such a great time, and I'm so grateful that I got to meet her because a former student, but not my personal student, and who is now my friend, slid into my DMs and pitched Jackie, insisting that she would be the perfect fit for the pod, not only because of her successful and heartwarming nonprofit, but also because of her experience with new beginnings. And I'm so grateful for Janelle for doing this because if it wasn't for her totally pitching her boss, I never would have met Jackie and been able to hear the inspiring story and wisdom that she has to share. So spending a significant amount of time in corporate America after college, Jackie's life seemed perfect. She was hitting all of the boxes, and from the outside, she was objectively living the dream. But as you're probably guessing, she felt unenthused and uninspired and took a complete 180 and started a nonprofit based off of her love of and history with animals. The Human Animal Alliance strives to bring people and animals together, keep people and animals together, and advocates for the human animal bond. You can find her organization at h-aa.org. Jackie was so easy to chat with. She's incredibly intelligent, passionate, driven, and honestly, her determination and willingness to do what it takes to follow her passion is inspiring. I know someone, likely many of you, need to hear this conversation right now. You're in for a lot of light lessons, life lessons, and a lot of heartwarming stories. Jackie, welcome to the pod. Are you ready for a therapy experience that will knock your socks off? Introducing BetterHelp, the online therapy platform that's revolutionizing the way we connect with therapists. Let me tell you, I found my own therapist, and she is an absolute queen. Her name is Regina, and she's completely transformed my life. Gone are the days of expensive and inconvenient therapy sessions. With BetterHelp, you can access affordable and convenient therapy from the comfort of your own home. Trust me, I've been there. My last therapist was amazing, but the cost was through the roof. With BetterHelp, I found the perfect fit and it won't break the bank. Now let me tell you why I'm obsessed with Queen Regina. Every session is like a journey of self-discovery. She challenges my thoughts, she digs deep, and she uncovers those hidden issues that I never knew existed. It's like a mind-reading magician unraveling the mysteries of my own psyche. But it's not just about uncovering the deep stuff. It's about growth. With Regina by my side, I just know I'm on the cusp of something incredible. 
a second spiritual awakening, a transformation that will rock my world. And Regina is there right in the middle of it all, catalyzing my journey like no one else could. BetterHelp gives you access to a vast network of licensed therapists, each with their own unique specialties. So whether you're seeking help for anxiety, depression, or relationship issues, you'll find the perfect therapist who truly gets you. And here's the best part. If you don't vibe with your therapist, no worries. You can easily switch without any penalties or awkward conversations. Queen Regina is my second therapist with BetterHelp. BetterHelp understands that finding the right fit is crucial for your mental well-being. So are you ready to find your very own Queen Regina? Don't miss out on this life-changing opportunity. Visit the link in the show notes to start your journey with a licensed therapist from BetterHelp today. Remember, your mental health deserves the best. And with BetterHelp, you're just one click away from a transformative therapy experience. Start your journey now and unlock the incredible potential within you. Visit the link in the show notes and let the magic begin with BetterHelp. I think the natural introduction to this would be to talk about Sweet Janelle. Oh, yeah. And I think that she would be fine with this, but I will ask her before I, I publish this. So Dude, <laughs> she pitched you so well. So uh-huh. Janelle, it's so odd how we became friends, I guess, now that she's graduated and we're both adults. But she stood, like, waited for class outside of my classroom for my first year teaching Mm -hmm. every morning. And I would walk by her and she would just be sitting against the wall with her friends. And I never really talked to her. And I don't know why she started talking to me, but (laughs) soon she'd knock on our door and be like, hey, can I just hang out in here until my teacher gets here? And then we would talk and we would have conversations and she would invite me to her poetry slams and then for years, late, like the next two years that she was in high school, she would find me in my other classrooms, hang out before school. She did senior takeover day with me. And it was just so sweet because she was such a wonderful, delightful young human that was the complete opposite yeah. of me personality, <sighs> personality wise. But it was the perfect like amount of difference that we filled in each other's differences you know what I mean and um and it was beautiful how that so naturally worked and she was never ever my student which I think just makes that so much more delightful so when she pitched you so so (laughs) confidently like hey Susie I have somebody that you need on your podcast gave me this whole reason why you needed to be on the podcast she was like I think she fits your show's theme of new beginnings so well because of x y and z like, well, I can't say no now, but she said, so she said, you had a radically different career than the career that you're in now. So I want to know your story with that starting wherever you want. Oh, wow. Okay. So my previous career was recruiting actually. And it was something that I fell into uh, pretty much right out of college. I think I knew I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I had this intuitive sense that I was going to land somewhere through networking. So when I came out of college, I was just talking to as many people as I could and, you know, going to all these events. And at one of those events, I met this guy um, who owned a small, like a headhunting firm in the DC metro area, which is where I was living at the time. And 
I said to him, you know, recruiting is interesting. Like, I think I would be good at it because I'm intuitive and I like people and I don't know. I just thought maybe it would be a good fit. And I said, I'll come work for you on commission only if you're open to it because I knew that that would get me in the door. Bold. Yeah. And he said, you know, there's only two people that have ever said that to me. One is my current managing partner and the other is you. So I guess uh, we're bringing you on board. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was just totally random, but I got into it and I really found I was good at it and I was enjoying it for a while. Um, there was something really rewarding. I loved the client side, like working with a company and really trying to understand who was the ideal person that they were trying to bring in and then going out and finding that needle in a haystack and like delivering the match. And that's really what it was all about. Um, you know, these really difficult positions. So there was a lot to it. I did it for a long time, um, 17 years, I think, total. So I started with his firm, but then I eventually split off because I moved um, and I said, I want to work for myself and not keep working for someone else. So I built a team of five amazing women that worked for me. We recruited all over the country, um, huge hospitality brands, construction firms. It was a very successful company. Um in that, I also published a book. I was doing a ton of press. I would go on television and radio all the time when there was um, like a topic in the news about hiring. If somebody wanted to talk about that, I was getting calls all the time. So I, I tell this part of the story because by all accounts, like from the outside looking in, it was like, this girl's career is on fire. Like she's doing amazing. Like this is all great. And it was in a way. Um but I think I just got to the point where I felt like something was missing. And in my mid-30s, all of a sudden, it was like, why am I waking up not wanting to do this anymore? And I heard somebody say, you should never quit something on a bad day because everybody has bad days. But if you are questioning something on a good day, then you're probably misaligned. And that really sat with me because I was like, I'm having a lot of really good days here and I'm just feeling like not motivated. I don't want to do this anymore. So that was the moment I knew something had to change. And um, it took a while to kind of figure out what the new direction was going to be. But um, yeah, then I just kind of sat with myself and said, it's time. And I, I don't know how I came up with this crazy idea to go start a nonprofit and all of it, but here I am. And uh, I've never felt more like myself than I do now. So I am glad I did it. You Have you always had such a strong entrepreneurial personality? Yeah, always. Okay. Uh, it was very hard for me working for someone else. Yeah. But it, yeah, but it was good. I mean, his company was small, so it sort of worked. But yeah, I, I always knew I wanted to call the shots. Um, I like to have control over outcomes and like how, I don't know, the branding of a company and like all these different things. It was very important to me. So yeah, I've just always kind of been that person at the going, Yeah. Going off script <laughs> a little bit, do you, if that's a natural part of you, do you also, do you find yourself naturally also good at having work-life balance or managing stress? Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. <laughs> um I can get a little overwhelmed because I love everything that I'm doing and I like to be really busy. Yeah. And there's a lot I'm involved in outside of work as well. I have um, horses. I'm very competitive in dressage and I have my dogs and my social life and all that. So it, it feels sometimes like a lot to juggle, like everybody has a lot to juggle. Um, so 
I have to be really good about like looking at each week and like making sure that I'm blocking off time to have balance. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Like it's like I almost have to schedule the non-work related things and make sure I'm like putting in enough time for everything. But I, I love it. I mean, I like the chaos, I think. That's beautiful because there's a difference between being busy and overwhelmed with things you have to do and busy and overwhelmed with things you want to do. Totally. You started a nonprofit out of, you said out of nowhere, you don't know where this idea came from, but I know that you have a history with animals, right? I do. I mean, I always knew at some point in my life, I would do something philanthropic. I don't think I thought it would be this early in life. And so like when I say, oh, I had no idea I'd wind up here. I think I did. I just didn't think the timing was going to be like what it was. Um, so yeah, I grew up riding horses. Um, they were a huge part of my life from the time I was like five years old. I just had this pull to horses. Um, I've always loved competing, but I've always loved just being in their presence. There's something really beautiful about horses that's very grounding. Um, I, it's in your blood or it's not. And for me, yeah. it just always was. And I was the only one in my family. They were like, where did this come from? Yeah. But I just knew I wanted to do it. And, um, and we always had dogs and cats and like animals were just always around me. But I found, um, you know, I struggled a little bit in childhood with anxiety and some different things. And, um, I think that was part of the reason why the animals were so meaningful to me, because when I felt like people didn't understand me or I couldn't connect with them, the animals were just always there. And it was just always this like incredibly safe, nurturing, loving relationship with them that I never had to stress about. It was just very, very um, wonderful for me as a kid. I don't know, you know, where I would have been without that. What is the mission of the Human Animal Alliance? I guess because animals have been so meaningful to me, what it's really about is helping other people experience the same. Like if I really had to distill it down, like I want everybody on this planet to know how amazingly valuable and magical relationships with animals can be and what those connections can do for us. And I think it's something that a lot of people have, but they don't really process it or understand like why they're drawn to it. Or a lot of people don't have the opportunity at all. And that's a lot of the work we're doing now is like bringing animals into the lives of people, trauma victims, things like that, where they really have never known what this is, but can benefit tremendously from animal-assisted therapy and things like that. So um, we say we have three pillars. One is keeping people and animals together. One is bringing them together. And then the mm -hmm. third is advocating for the bond. So those are really kind of the three buckets of what we do, but it all comes back to just promoting and fostering those connections between people and animals. How about you tell me uh, the types of groups of people that you pair animals with and what benefits are seen from each? A lot of what we do is we're, we're actually following like world events all the time and we're trying to pair our grants with um, like where's the human animal bond? Where is support around the human animal bond needed the most? Right. So, for example, Right now, human trafficking is such a massive issue in this world, and it's terrifying. And we said, you know what, we need to look hard at this. And we started partnering with charities that specialize in working specifically with victims or I should say survivors of human trafficking to bring animal-assisted therapy to them. So then we decided, okay, this is an initiative we're really excited about. We interviewed 
close to 100 organizations that did this, and we picked two that we were going to give this grant money to, and it was significant funding. So this is what we do. It's really about picking an initiative, finding the right partner, and then really going deep, you know, and making sure that it's money well spent and that, you know, the people that are going to be on the receiving end of this are going to get incredible life-changing benefits from these experiences. What kinds of benefits can survivors of human trafficking get from animals? Is it something that they use, obviously, in conjunction with therapy? Is it relearning how to love? Like, in a granular level, mm-hmm. what what benefits and effects do we see in these survivors when they build these relationships with animals you put in their lives? I would say the biggest thing that we hear is it teaches them how to have healthy relationships. Mm. Right. So for someone that's and and not just human trafficking, but someone that's suffered any kind of abuse, it's yeah. very hard to trust. It's very hard to have authentic relationships on a lot of levels. Um, and so what happens is when they especially with horses, I think there's something very special about horses. But when someone is brought into that relationship and they're able to connect, they can trust that animal. And also what's very interesting is that a lot of times these places use um, animals that were also abused or neglected. So the survivor comes in and then they meet this animal and there's an automatic common ground and they heal each other. I mean, it's very emotional like to even talk about, but that is what happens, you know? So then they see each other for who and what they are and they support each other through this. And like, it's amazing. I mean, we get notes from parents sometimes of kids that are going through these programs and they're like, my kid has been through everything out there, like traditional therapy, whatever. And this is the one thing that has worked. And that is the kind of stuff that just hits me. It's like, that is why we do this work. Well, it's- since we're in this emotional space, can you share with me one of your most heartwarming stories? Well, there are two things that have really kind of gotten me <laughs> over the past couple of years. One was a letter that we got from one of those parents. And that that was literally what it was. She said, my daughter has been in and out of all these programs. Um, she just has no idea how to let her walls down. That was the biggest thing. She just had this like guard up that was like a mile high and nobody could get to her. And ever since starting this program, um, she's a different person. And I think that's meaningful too on a bigger level because like we're not just helping people like one-on-one. These individuals are now going on to be productive members of society who will in turn help other people who will be more balanced, more successful in their lives. Like there's greater impact here beyond just what's happening in the program. Right. So I think that's, it's like fascinating to me to see the changes in people. And then like, I can't wait to see what they go on and do longer term. You know what I mean? That's, that's so number fulfilling. Yeah. But then also, I mean, last year we did a lot with, um, because the country's in a recession, um, this issue of people having to surrender their animals because they can't afford them was something that was really, really um, bothering me. And I, you know, I've been in situations where my animals needed a surgery or something like that. And thankfully I could afford it. And I started thinking like, what do people do when they can't, you know? So we gave a lot of money to um, many, many people to help animals stay in homes. So whenever we would get the letters back about, you know, people thanking us for that too, like, hey, I would have had to surrender my dog or my cat. Um, but thanks to you guys, um, they're still here with my family and my kids are so happy and, you know, things like that. It's just um, really meaningful. So you are still writing. Oh, yeah. 
and competing very seriously yeah <laughs> yeah what's what's coming up next for you gosh well my horse is in rehab right now he had an injury but he's hopefully coming out the other side but okay. um they live in wellington florida which is right. like the mecca of dressage for people that compete in that and my goal for this year was to do my first cdi which is actually an international level of competition um so hopefully that will happen um but my last horse i trained him to grand prix which is the highest level you can get to and that was a big achievement. So um, this next horse that I have is fancier and I'm having a ton of fun with him. So um, just really excited for the winter season to start down here and just get out and see what we can do. So That's it's a lot of great. But you do a tr- dressage. Dressage. Yeah. Dressage. They're dancing. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is what all my guy friends call it. <laughs> will you give me well, will you give me the background of dressage? I mean, if it's not dance, if dancing is the most simplistic, right. oh, is the art of this? It's it's a training scale is the best okay. way to describe it. But it's like it starts at the most basic level and then to the most complex movements. Like it's amazing we can get horses to do these things. But every level builds upon the one before. So it's okay. like you're climbing this ladder of complexity. But it really is all about, again, the relationship. I think that's why I love it mm-hmm. so much. Like for the horses to be trained at these levels and to perform really well, um, you have they have to like you, they have to trust you, you have to have this bond together to climb the levels and to, you know, do it correctly. So I think that's why it's like really sucked me in and it's been so intriguing to me because um, it's this constant like pursuit of perfection that's unattainable. So we're sort of crazy to, to do but. <laughs> It's addicting. <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Now, when you get a new horse, I know that usually when people are competing with horses, these are horses that they've known and loved and built relationships with for a mm-hmm. while, right? Sometimes. I mean, oh, sometimes, okay. sometimes, no. I mean, you can buy, and I've done both, like you can buy a young horse and kind of bring them along. Or sometimes people will buy a more established horse um, and kind of pick up where somebody else left off. Um, again, I've done both. I can't really say which is better, but what I will say is that like the best buying decisions I've ever made were ones where I just instantly, like I looked at that horse and I was like, that's the one, like I felt it okay. before I even sat on them. Okay. That's this horse, Wesley that I have now. That's exactly what happened. I literally, he wasn't even for sale when I saw him. I looked at him and I was like that horse, there's something about him. And then like the rest is history and he wound up with me. But, um, it's sort of like dating. I always say that it's like you kind of like sit down with somebody and you know in the first minute like if there's potential or not. Yeah. <laughs> I just looked at horses like that too. So when you meet a new horse that you are going to be using for competitions, mm-hmm. um, is there like a period of time where you are before you start training where you are actively working on relationship building first as a foundation? Yes. And a lot of people don't do that, but I am a huge advocate of yeah. it. Um, I had some training in my background of like groundwork with horses. Um, and that's something I find myself like reverting back to sometimes because it's it's sort of like the relationship you have with them on the ground and the things you can make them do and the way that they respond to you and you to them translates it to what it's like when you're in the saddle. Yeah. So like even little things like how a horse leads around mm-hmm. echo how they feel when you're sitting on them. And it's it's kind of a hard thing to explain to people that don't ride, but um, it's very real. And so 
I think the better the relationship on the ground, the better, you know, when you're actually training. So it's an important component. Definitely. Well, because they can feel your emotions, right? Like they can. I rode horses for this this much of my life. Very, <laughs> very small. But it was very evident that if you're scared, if you're anxious, the horse isn't going to be doing what you need it to do. Yeah. You're feeling confident and you're feeling trusting. They're going to be trotting around wherever you wherever you lead them confidently is yep. what I learned. I think that's a huge part of it. And it's also it's it's funny because it's like matchmaking is a real thing with horses and riders too. Like for someone like me who runs a little anxious, I notice like uh, I can't ride anxious horses because it's like uh, this mirror and we both do this and like, you know, um, whereas some of them that have this like really chill energy, it just like brings that out in me. And then we're just in this really cool space together. So and then some horses that I have not connected with have gone to the next person and they think they're like the greatest thing in the yeah. world all this amazing partnership. So, you know, we definitely, you know, it's just like people or anything else. You yeah. click with some and not with others and, and that's okay. So. So getting back to the organization, you with animals, um, I'm assuming you pair horses, obviously, with people, right? And that's like what what is our what is our animal group option group so okay so for the animal assisted therapy it does tend to be mostly horses okay. um support are mostly horses sometimes dogs yeah. um and then yeah so bringing people and animals together i would say horses for the most part sometimes dogs um and then for keeping people and animals together it's you know whatever they already own for animals so that could be i would say primarily dogs and cats um sometimes horses i guess but yeah we are purely a grant making organization. So okay. we essentially raise money to grant it to charity partners. So, um, you know, that's why I brought up the example of like the partners that we're working with on the human trafficking initiative, right. because we want to make sure like when that money goes out, that it is going to the very best programs out there with the best animals, you know, um, in an area where the help is really needed. And so then once the grant money goes to them, it's on them to run the program, but then they keep in touch with us about, okay. you know, what's happening. Um, and so it's a, it's a joint initiative, I guess, if that makes sense. Now, because you are such an entrepreneurial person with such a leadership personality, I'm sure you're going to be able to confidently answer this next question. <laughs> what, <laughs> what, what are our long-term or short-term plans for the Human Animal Alliance? Gosh. So I think, um, okay, so this might make me sound a little crazy, but mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. so manifesting it. Yes. Be so, delusional. So one area that we haven't really looked at yet is the physical benefits of the human animal bond. Okay. Like connecting with an animal and what does that literally do to our bodies physiologically? And this is something that's like fascinating to me. Yeah. Um, what does it do to our energy? What is our chakras, our organs, like all of it? And so I have been doing a ton of research and I <laughs> have been getting into this myself and I have purchased this, I don't even know what you would call it, this machine, I guess, that measures all of these things. So I have all these crazy plans for 2024 okay. to go into animal therapy situations and basically measure people at baseline before and after animal interactions to see what is going on with them physically. And can we prove 
that the interaction with the animal raises their vibration, changes anything physiologically in their body. Um, and then whatever we find from that, we will see where it goes. But um, that's something I really want to look at. And then also on the same theme, we're talking to some hospitals because I've heard stories overseas of hospitals that have built wings for when people are staying there, their animals can be brought in for like visitation and things like that to help them heal quicker, calm everybody's anxiety. Like the animal's sad because their person isn't there. The person is sad because they haven't seen their dog, whatever it is. So um, that's something we're starting to look at here to see if there's anywhere that we can like partner with a hospital to create something like that, maybe even locally here. Um, so the, yeah, the physical, you know, healing benefits of human-animal bond is kind of where I think the next phase of this is going to go. Two things. One, I am completely confident that you will find there is a scientific, tangible, physiological benefit to healing when yeah. it comes to reuniting yep. someone in recovery of whatever in the hospital and their pet has yes. to be, right? Three. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then are you a woo-woo girl too? I mean, I dance. <laughs> because you brought up chakras, and I think that's so beautiful yeah. to bring in, to bring in as many elements of nature, yeah, wild nature as possible into our everyday lives, into our habits and rituals, and um, uh, routines. I think can only serve to benefit our whole body wellness and right. the balancing of our energies and our yeah. chakras. And I think that when you look at at nature and animals in their natural state, I, I would argue, I don't know anything about this, but mm -hmm. I would guess that they're pretty much fully aligned or mostly aligned if they're being taken care of appropriately. Right. And I same with sitting outside on on the grass, getting your feet in the earth, getting your eyes in the morning sunlight. I think all of those things are just going to allow our cells and our molecules and atoms to harmonize mm -hmm. and thus bring us into balance as well. Totally. So here's what's so interesting about that. When you talk to people, like so many people will say, oh, when I'm around my animals, like I feel so balanced, I feel so great. But it's very anecdotal, right? right. Like it, we're just saying this is how we feel. But I think what people are really saying is, hey, my vibration came up, like my energy is better, my chakras are more aligned, but they don't know that that's what's happening, but they are right. feeling that. Right. And so that's why to me, it's like if there's a way to quantify this and actually show it scientifically, like I believe this could be my life's work and this is going to be the next phase of all of this. Because if we can prove that, that's going to open so many doors to like more work that we can do and more people that will be open to the help and like mm -hmm. so many different things, mm -hmm. you know. Do you have plans to expand? I mean – Yes, it's sort of like hard to envision that because we're in our second year now. So it's like, that's it. And you've done so much. Uh, thank you. And that's what's so cool about it. But it's sort of like, oh, my God, we're in a totally different place now than we were a year ago. So it's like, whoa, what is this going to look like a year or two down the road or 10 or 20? Um, I hope this organization survives me. I mean, that was really yeah. like, my hope when I started it was that like, 
when I'm no longer here, one of my younger relatives will take it over or something like that. But um, yeah, I mean, I just right now my focus is really doing good work, but also building our donor base because we cannot do this mm-hmm. work without support from other people who love animals and who believe in the things that we believe in. So um, I'm, I'm very focused on fundraising right now because the more we raise, the more people we can help really is what it boils down to. I think that's so beautiful. And I'm, I just want to take a moment to say, I hope, I hope that often you, Jackie, take moments to reflect on how far this organization has Thank come you. because so much has been done just by what you're telling me and the research that I've done on your website. And that takes a lot of work and a lot of passion. And I, I hope you give yourself a pat on the back, not to mention the countless amounts of lives that you've changed. So Thank give you. yourself a hug for that. Sometimes I go on little motivational rants. No, so I love sorry. That. No, I love that. Thank you. And you know, it, but it's a testament to like, again, this like concept of alignment. Like when you're doing something that is a really good fit, yeah. And I would learn about like leaving recruiting yeah. and getting into this. It's like, I just, you know, when you're fired up about it and it's aligned for you, like you want to get up and do the work every day. So, And yeah. going off of that, when you, I believe that when you are in your purpose, which can change throughout your life, but when you are in and aligned with your purpose, mm-hmm. um, not only is the work fun and ignites your passion, but everything that comes with it flows to you so much more easily. The work becomes not work. It becomes easy. The success becomes easy um, and in abundance because you're not forcing anything. Exactly. It's flowing in a way that nothing has, I think, to this point. It's so true. And I'm very lucky too. I have a great team. Like we talked about Giselle. She's amazing. And my Executive Director Alexis, I've known her since we were like four years old. Um, yeah, we uh, work incredibly well together. So it's a great team. And living in Wellington has been amazing too because there, it's automatically this network of animal lovers that live yeah. here. They've been so generous. Like makes me very emotional because I'm so grateful to them. Um, and I feel like if I wasn't living here, I don't know that I could have started this organization as quickly or at all. Like yeah. they have really, the donors here have gotten us on our feet in a lot of ways. And like a lot of the work that we've been able to do is because of their support. So I'm just like eternally grateful. It's it's a team effort for sure. Everything has come together in the perfect, perfect combination. And I think that what one of the things that makes a organization successful is the team that you um, de- uh, cult... The team that you bring together, because not only is it important to have a team of people who are hardworking, who are also passionate, but mm-hmm. once you have a team environment where the energies connect really well and yep. you have a work environment that is so positive, so uplifting, so inspiring by you as a leader, by the people underneath you that you've hired that are also uplifting each other and throwing out creative ideas. I mean, that's just going to make people in your organization want to work harder and want to work better and want to continue advocating. So I think that's not only important for the individuals working there for ease of work, but it's also going to be a huge contributor to the growth of your organization. Thank you. Yeah. And um, it's ironic too, because my 
years in recruiting helped with that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That, like, bring people together and all that. And it's so funny too, like when we interview charity partners, Alexis and I, because we did recruiting for so long, we're like, we feel like we're recruiters again because we're interviewing these other teams. Like, is do we want to work with them? Are they legit? You know, all these questions yeah. that it's all the same skills. So it's funny how life happens. You know? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Before I get into my fun questions that I want to ask you, okay. because you had a an experience where you, I don't, what made you want to get into recruiting? Was it Was it just kind of something that you felt like you had to do or it was the natural next step? Were you passionate about it? No, I don't think I ever was. But I think I was the typical kid, like so many that come out of school and they're like, I really have absolutely no idea like what I'm going to do. And so you just have to pick something. Yeah. And so, you know, when I made that connection with that guy that I'd mentioned that owned the other firm, it was like, okay, well, let me try this for a while and maybe it'll work. And it just stuck because I I think I had talent for it. Yeah. But that didn't mean it was what I was supposed to be doing. You know, I felt I felt like an actor in a play. Like I was playing this role that was like well suited for me, but it wasn't really me is the best way I can explain it. That's the perfect way to explain it, because I think so many people are in careers that don't fulfill them, that they feel that they are going through the motions every day because they're good at it, because they are they might be making an impact and they might be getting praise from their superiors. But even though just because you're good at something doesn't mean that it's meant for you. And I had to learn that lesson as well. So my follow up question is. What would your best piece of advice be to someone who maybe is in their 20s and 30s and is in a career that is just that, where they they feel like they're suited for it, but it's not fulfilling to them, or they're in a career that they just hate, but they feel stuck in it? I think I would say be sure not to waste too much time because it is amazing to me how fast time goes by like I turned 40 this year and I cannot believe that I'm 40 years old like I feel like I was 22 literally like (laughs) and looking at my own situation I think like it's fine the way that it played out but I I mean I dedicated 17 years to recruiting like I didn't need to do that you know what I mean I think I knew in my 20s that it wasn't probably going to be forever so at least if I had started the wheels turning sooner I could have made the pivot sooner um, and I don't have regrets necessarily, but I think there is this mentality sometimes with people where they're like, you need to pick something and you need to like stick it out. And there's this honor in like riding something out for the long term. It's like a bad marriage. Like, yeah, okay, just because your marriage lasted for 40 years. I don't know. Is that something to be proud of if you're miserable? Like, yeah, I think so. But some people look at it that way. So being in the wrong career can kind of be regarded either way also. And I think I would just tell people, like, trust your gut. And if you feel like something's not right, then don't be afraid to get out sooner than later. I'm grateful you said that because so many of our older generations are very much like you graduate from college, you get into this career, and you stay in that career until you're retired. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a lot more. Maybe it's just my circle. Maybe it's happening across the country. But a lot of people like us are identifying that we don't like the career that we graduated and got into 
But on the one hand, we feel this pressure from parents and grandparents to just stick it out because there's because there's so much pride or whatever in staying in a career long term. But I'm seeing a lot of people that not just are leaving careers that are unfulfilling, but are doing completely 180s, complete 180s and and are finding that it's so much more fulfilling and they have so much time for themselves, for peace of mind, for their families, for their relationships. Right. And I think that part of it, that part where you can choose to pivot into a career that allows you so much more peace and mental space mm-hmm. is important because then that's going to be the ripple effect that right. you were talking right. about earlier. And also like people should realize that they have more transferable skills than they think they do. Because that was one thing for me where I was like, oh my God, I'm going from recruiting to running a nonprofit. I know nothing about nonprofit work. Like, what am I doing? And there was definitely a lot. There's a massive learning curve. There still is every day. But every day also, I'm finding things where I'm like drawing back on my experiences or my skills from my previous career that are still relevant now. And I think most people would find that no matter where they started and ended like you're not starting from zero, even though from the outside looking at it might look like that. You're really not. You're starting from some level of experience that will serve you. I I had to go through that a lot when it came <laughs> with teaching, when I yeah. left teaching. And then I talk about it a lot with people that want to leave teaching and they think, I'm a teacher. Who's going to want to hire me? I'm like, Everyone wants to hire teachers. You're a project manager. You're fantastic with a wide variety of personalities, students and adults. You time management is your like yeah. MO. That's like your baseline. You're so good at like ah and I and I try to shout this from the rooftops, but sometimes it takes a little bit of time for them to let yeah. that integrate. Okay. Right. So before I get into asking you 10 fun questions, or five, not 10, that's a lot, five five fun questions, is there anything that you want to say that we may have missed out on? I mean, I would just say that if anyone's listening and, you know, they love animals and they want to know more about what we do and, and get on board, I just, I love hearing from people. And like I said, we're trying to just get the word out. So, you know, feel free to reach out to me and- um, would love to, you know, talk more if people yeah. have questions. Okay, fantastic. So I hate answering questions on the spot. So I try to keep that in mind when I choose these questions. Mm-hmm. If you could travel to any time period in history, where would you go? Oh my gosh. Um, I've always had this fascination with like the 60s. Like I, this is going to sound horrible, but like I would watch um, like Mad Men was one of my favorite shows, which is like weird because it was so chauvinistic and like, I know, I know, but there's a part of me that feels like I would have thrived. Like I loved watching like the transition of like when women were just becoming more respected and like more equal. And I think living through that time would have been like very interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I also just love male energy and like some of that was just fascinating to me. And I loved like the architecture and like, I don't know. I just think I, in a past life, maybe I did live that. <laughs> I think that's totally dope. I would have loved to live in the 60s and 70s. Right. Can you tell me about like the quirkiest animal you've ever worked with? Hmm, let me think. Um, Yes, I can. 
I had this horse not that long ago, maybe five-ish years ago. So in my adulthood, um, Steve, he <laughs> was, yeah, <laughs> I know love- because he was quirky. <laughs> I love, I love when animals just have human names like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and I named him that because I just felt like it was appropriate. Um, yeah. He's a cute little white uh, Andalusian, I think, um, okay. which is a Spanish breed, but he was either like this perfect angel or he was a holy terror and it was like every day i did not know what i was walking into he could be such a jerk (laughs) like i would take him to shows and like he would just decide i'm not going in the ring today and have you like are you kidding me like so it was always navigating his personality um but he was also super sweet and he taught me so much like he was really the bridge between like a pretty elementary level of riding into like all the crazy stuff that i'm doing now he really got me like halfway there um, so I'm very grateful to him. He was sold to a lady in Texas and I still hear from her all the time. Guys, great. She thinks he is, but yeah, he was, he was fun. And he taught me a lot. <laughs> that must have been so stressful when you were going into a show and he oh was God, like, he told me not about it. Big time. So, yeah. What is a book that you recommend everyone read or that has profoundly impacted you? What is her name? Laura Lynn, the, the psychic. Do you know who I'm talking Ooh. about? No, but I will look her up. Yeah. Laura Lynn Jackson. Jackson. Okay. So, yeah, one of my favorite books is Signs by Laura Lynn Jackson. And it's it's super fascinating. It's more like a compilation of stories, I guess, from throughout her career. But the whole premise is, you know, how um, people who have passed communicate with us through signs from the other side. And part of the reason it, like, is super meaningful to me is because not just like people that I've lost, but the animals that I've lost. Mm-hmm. And I have had experiences where like the day after the dog dies, something unbelievable happens where I find an object or something. And I'm like, I know it just came from him. So I've had those experiences my whole life. But then reading that book, it was very validating because I was like, oh, wow, this is something yeah. if you're tapped in, everybody experiences. And it just makes you feel very connected to everybody else and the universe and you know i don't know it was it was a feel-good one for me so i really liked it that sounds like something i would love to read so thank you for exposing me to that yeah if you were to host a dinner party what three animals would you invite given that they talk and have personalities and can contribute to dinner discussion oh wow (laughs) okay so if i was gonna pick horses let's say i would pick different ones from different disciplines and then maybe a rescue horse to have like all different um life experiences at the table together Uh you know like what would it be like to be a show jumper versus a dressage horse versus like a rescue horse and what would they have to share with each other that is not where I thought that was going, but that is very smart. And I think that you probably are very good at dinner parties because that would be a wonderful way to start discussion quickly and keep yeah. it going and prevent all of that awkward stuff. That totally. And also, like, who are their owners? Like, would uh, one that's owned by a kid have different things to say than, like, like would they complain about us? Like, oh, yeah, we're so crazy. Or, oh, I bet they would have some hot gossip to share with you. <laughs> yeah. Dogs too. I've done that before. So I'm sure. Yeah. Dog, oh my God, the things our dogs could stand oh, up. Oh Jesus! <laughs> okay. Right. 
Your last um, question is, what's your favorite board game? Favorite board game. I think I'm actually kind of a good chess player. Did you watch that Netflix show? No. Queen's Gambit? Oh, no. Someone else recommended that to me, too. Yeah. You must. It made me want to learn chess. Oh, it's beautiful. And I love that actress, Anya Taylor-Joy. I think she's beautiful with her ginormous alien eyes. Yeah, I have to read I it. I'm a chess person. I actually love, like, escape rooms. That's, like, my thing. I don't I've exactly. never been to one. God, I've done, like, 30 of them. I love them so much. But <laughs> it just reminds me of that because you're, like, solving puzzles and using your brain. So if I had to play any kind of game, that would be that would be it over a board game. But if I had to pick a board game, it would be chess. Who taught you chess? My grandfather, when I was a kid. That's a beautiful story. Yeah. I remember being very young and like hanging out in his house and um, yeah, he's teaching me all the different pieces and yeah. That's beautiful. And I feel like everybody should have like a skill or ability to play some kind of game that's high class. Yeah. Whether that's like tennis, riding horses. I mean, obviously you've got that down. Um, croquet. Right. Golf. So obviously, like instant class boost. Will you tell everyone where we can find you and how we can support you? Thank you so much. So the best place to find us is our website. It's h-aa.org. And all the information about us is there. Um, also, there's a contact form there. So if you'd like to speak with us personally, um, you could send that in. We'll get right back to you. And we love um, hearing from people and all kinds of things. We also have three events coming up in 2024, which I'm super excited about. So there's one in Florida, one in Connecticut, and one in North Carolina. So for anybody that lives in those areas that might want to come or learn more, um, just let us know and we can send you that information too. Oh, fair. And then we're also on social, although we're just getting into the social media thing. So um, you can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Okay. Um, I hope that you catch me at your Florida event. Yeah, it makes me so happy. We would love to have you come. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a paint your pet night slash fundraiser. So, um, yeah, we're we're capitalizing on that human animal bond uh, theme. So it'll be very very fun. That's sweet. I'm so excited to do that. I have two dogs, and I'm I'm I would love to paint them. Awesome. Okay, you have the best day, Jackie. Thank you so much for joining me this week for this conversation. If you enjoyed this episode or you enjoy the podcast in general, I would love for you to subscribe so you'll never miss out on upcoming episodes featuring other brilliant minds and insightful topics. Also, don't forget to rate and review while you're at it. Your ratings and feedback mean the world to me and help me reach more listeners. So, Misty and loves you. Have the best day ever. Same time next week. Bye.